Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. This is draft season. It's brought to you by Visa. Visa looks at over 500 data points on transactions to help prevent fraud. So you can worry less and focus on this podcast. Shop with Visa because security looks good on you. I'm John Schmelk, joined by Tony Pauline, as always, from Sports Kita. And Tony, we are into all-star game season. Both of us in a couple of days will be boarding flights from the Northeast, heading down to Frisco to enjoy the Shrine Bowl, and then we're going to head over to uh, the Senior Bowl in Mobile to enjoy that. Uh, a good week of football, our last look at these guys playing what is real football before we get to the Combine and the rest of this draft process. It's exciting, and, and it's a year again where uh, a lot to learn about these guys over the next week or so. Yeah, it's funny. <clears throat> you you say enjoy, <clears throat> excuse me, but for me, it's and for you as well, I mean, it's, it's nonstop go because – you got two practices back to back, six days in a row, basically, right? Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, three at the Shrine, three at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. You get all the interview process, gathering information. And people tend to forget because the combine is so commercialized and so publicized these days. But when you get to the Shrine game and then the Senior Bowl, the players will have more eyes on them at these two events than they will at the combine. Because you got to remember when they are at the Shrine Bowl and then the Senior Bowl, you know, the defensive back coaches will be watching the defensive back workouts as well as the wide receivers, those one on one drills, the full scrimmage. And they'll also be watching the running backs and the tight ends. Same thing for all the position coaches. Whereas at the combine, the defensive back coaches just come in for their group, the defensive backs, and they don't get to see the quarterbacks, they don't get to see the offensive linemen. So really, you'll, they, these players are going to have more eyes on them at, at any single time over the six days of practice, the three at the Shrine Bowl, the three at the Senior Bowl, than they will at any point in time in the lead up to the draft, and that includes the Combine. Yeah, and Tony, look, the other thing, too, I think these games, especially the Senior Bowl, have proven to be pretty predictive. You know, guys that do well in these games against the best competition, and, you know, they're all-star games for a reason – if you know if players come out dominate one on ones on offense or defense o line d line wide receiver cornerback and they're really good in those one on ones that tends to be something that translates to the NFL so you know teams take this stuff seriously and they should because it's shown to be predictive in terms of how good players are going to be when they get to the next level i think when you look at these two games this is the greatest opportunity for a player to really elevate their draft stock because they're playing football they're playing yeah. live action football in the one-on-ones, in the scrimmage. 
the games really don't matter all that much as far as the scouting process is concerned. There have been a few exceptions. Whereas with the NFL Combine, <clears throat> you could actually hurt your draft stock even more because you got the interviews. You got the medicals. You know, the you're basically, when you do the testing, there are expectations. And if you're a defensive back and you're expected to run in the low 4.4s four and you run the low 4.5s, that's going to hurt your stock. So, yeah, these the six days of these practices at the Shrine and the Senior, like you said, and, and we've seen it time and time again, the Mac Jones of the world, you know, uh, go on and on and on with the players who have just, it, it, you know, really helped themselves with great performances at, at these uh, at these events, at the practices. And you're right, it's long days. You mentioned for us, it's long days for the players too. They have meetings, they have practices, then they do meetings with the teams. When I say right. the first meetings, I meant with like, you know, their coaches and stuff like that. <laughs> then you have the meetings with the team. So long days for them but it should be a lot of fun. Of course, these practices are even more important than the games, which is why most of these decision makers go out there for the week of practices. Nobody actually stays for the games, Tony, because people want to see the one-on-ones uh, in right. practice. And a lot of these guys don't even end up playing the game anyway. Yeah, what, what, exactly. Because what usually happens is, you know, a lot of these guys are coming in nicked up from the season. Remember their seasons, a lot of these guys just ended three, four weeks ago with the bowl games. So there are, you know, hamstrings, ankles, whatever. And they try and, and gut it through practice. There will be injuries in, during the practice sessions. We saw it with Nakua, remember the receiver from BYU last year at the Senior Bowl, and look how good he's done. And then, you know, if they if they make it through practice, they got to decide whether or not they're going to play in the game with all these uh, injuries. You know, you brought up something uh, that's really important that people tend to forget, and, and that's the interviews. Because what teams are starting to do is they're using the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl, the practices, to get the interviews in that they would regularly do at the combine because it's, it's more of a relaxed environment. You get a little more time with the guys. It's not the 15 minutes with their, with the horn where they got to change rooms. You know, you can sit there, you, you can get a little bit more involved with the players. So what happens is, you know, you may have a highly rated senior, say a guy like a, you know, an Austin Reed, a, well, the quarterback from Western Kentucky or our draftable senior, and he'll go to the combine and he may only have five or six interviews at the combine. And people say, well, oh, no one's interested in him. He's only got five or six interviews. But, yeah, he he interviewed with 32 teams during the Shrine Bowl. So teams are using the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl as, you know, where they can get their interviews in to reduce their workload during the combine. I believe it was Phil Savage when he was running the Senior Bowl about 10 years ago who started uh, implementing the combine-like interviews uh, at the Senior Bowl, and it's really blossomed. The teams love it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get to it here, Tony. Let's start with some of the players that I know you're excited about uh, at the Shrine Bowl. Then we'll hit Senior Bowl. Then we'll hit some of your questions out there. Uh, the quarterbacks, Tony, at, at Shrine, names that people are going to recognize that we've talked about on the show, Keaton Slovis, who we've talked about a lot, Devin Leary, who was with NC State, went over to Kentucky, and then you already mentioned Austin Reed who has 71 touchdown passes and 8,000 passing yards over his last two years. Just a ton of production. A small school guy who went to Western Kentucky, just blossomed in that system. Uh, his favorite target was Malachi Corley, who we're going to see at the Senior Bowl. More of a timing and touch passer. But listen, you know, it wasn't that long ago at the Shrine Bowl, we saw a guy who a lot of people considered a game manager. He was accurate. Didn't know whether he had the physical skills to play at the next level. Got by the name of Brock Purdy, who's going to be playing in the uh, NFC Championship game. Who's you know who was in the talk of a potential uh, you know uh, uh, NFL uh, NFL MVP this season. 
you know, he's he was that sort of type of quarterback who played at the Shrine Bowl. So it is going to be interesting. It's a big week for Austin Reed. When I watch him, I want to see his downfield passes. Does he have speed on those deep throws? Can he drive the deep, the, the deep passes? You know, and are they accurate? Keaton Slovis is an interesting story. Had success at USC, eventually lost his job there. Went to Pittsburgh, had success there. A lot of people were surprised when he transferred to BYU. And then he made the announcement earlier this year that he was going to retire. So I guess the interesting thing is, and the question is going to be, you know, why did you retire? You missed time at BYU and then you returned. You know, are you interested in playing football on Sunday? So that's an interesting story. And then Devin Leary, a, a guy who coming into the 2022 season was highly rated by NFL scouts, was considered a day two pick, played reasonably well the early part of the season, got injured, transferred to Kentucky, and it's been anything but good for uh, for Devin Leary. I mean, it, the move was not a real good one for Leary, for Kentucky. So he's a guy that really has to watch his draft stock rebound. He needs three big days of practice. If he does and he re- recuperates some of that draft stock, you're talking about a guy who could maybe reach into the late part of day two. And you mentioned you know, Aiden O'Connell was a quarterback at the Shrine game last year too, by yeah. the way, Tony. He ended up starting a half a year. Uh, for the Raiders this year, and and did a pretty nice job as well. So a lot to uh, take in consideration there. I don't have anybody in the list you gave me, Tony, but I'll just throw out generally, if you want to throw out one or two guys, the skill position guys on offense in this game, either running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, anyone from that group that you think fans should keep an eye on. If you go to the running back uh, uh, group, you know, Frank Gore Jr. is going to be there, so, so that's the name. Keep an eye on Tyrone Tracy from Purdue. Here's a guy who wasn't graded coming into the season. He's a decent size uh, back at about uh, five foot ten, two hundred five pounds. He's an exceptional pass catcher out of the backfield. He's got wicked footwork. I mean, incredibly quick footwork with the ability to set defenders up and make a miss. So you're talking about a guy who was basically dismissed and ignored by scouts coming into the season. He's gonna play. He's now playing in the Shrine Bowl, and he's very likely going to be a day three pick. I mean, here's a guy who. He can further impress the scouts that were already impressed by his play uh, last season. You look at the uh, uh, the receiver list, the Janky brothers from South Dakota State. I mean, Jaden and Jackson, uh, guys who are they got decent size, six foot two. You go about two hundred ten pounds. They're not downfield threats, but they're just consistent pass catchers. They find the open spot in the field. They consistently catch the ball very well. I mean, it, it, they are late-round picks, and I think if they have good uh, three days of practice at the Shrine Bowl, they will definitely uh, affirm themselves as late-round picks. Uh, Tejon Palmer of UAB, a guy who, sort of like uh, the running back uh, from Purdue I mentioned, Tyrone Tracy, was ignored by scouts coming into the season, but had a real good year. He's a burner. I'm told he's going to run in the four threes. So, you know, we want to see him on those downfield passes. If he's able to beat the defenders deep, as I'm told he will be, and if the quarterbacks like uh, Devin Leary and Austin Reed can get the ball in his hands down the field. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you're excited about the offensive line group here, Tony. And I had a chance to watch a couple of these guys this morning. Guys with good size, you know, 6'6", 6'6", 6'5", tackles. You have a monster uh, offensive lineman from Howard that's 6'8", 360. That'll be fun to watch. Then the guy that jumped out to me was Mason McCormick, uh, the left guard out of South Dakota State. You watch him on tape. He's he's physical. He's strong. He's nasty. And he moves pretty well. 
Yeah, and there's a reason why South Dakota State has won two national titles in back-to-back consecutive years because they got guys like you know, the Janky Brothers catching the ball, and they got Mason McCormick blocking for the run and for the quarterback. And, yeah, Mason McCormick is a big nest. First of all, he looks like an NFL lineman. I mean, he is a wide-bodied guy with a thick lower body, and he's just mean. He's powerful, but he moves relatively well. He's not like a small area, feet stuck in cement type of guy. He can kick out. He can pull. He can slide in space. Uh, definitely, I think, a guy who's going to get drafted late. And he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. He's one of those guys that's probably going to start a lot of fights because he's going to be hitting after. He's going to be playing through the whistle. He's going to look, be looking at very people in, in the ground. And there's going to be a lot of pushing and shoving. That's the way he is. And he is, and he plays like that on the field as well. He is a big, tough guy, more of a power gap lineman. But I, I think he's just not relegated to that, that single system. Any other offensive linemen you want to highlight here, Tone? Well, you mentioned the kid from Howard, Kim Dakwa, who is a massive left tackle, wide project to the right side. Uh, I believe he came from Ghana. He started his football career late. I think he didn't start playing football until he was a senior in high school. He's got tremendous upside. You, can't, I mean, he's one of those guys you're going to just look at him on the on the practice field. You're going to be like, wow, because you're going to be looking up on him because he's so big. He's so wide. But he's a real good football player, and he's continually learning the position. He doesn't have great footwork, but he does enough. Uh, did enough at Howard to protect the blind side. You want to see his agility. You want to see his quickness, his ability to move in those one-on-ones. Uh, that is going to be an interesting guy to watch. C.J. Hansen of Holy Cross, sort of the antithesis of Danko in the sense that he is incredibly athletic. He moves incredibly well. He's a guy who was not graded coming into the season by scouts. But he played so well with his ability to pull across the line of scrimmage, get out on the second level, definitely his own blocker. This is a big, big week for C.J. Hansen, who at the end of the season, even though he did not uh, get any grades from scouts coming into the year, a lot of scouts graded him as a fifth-round pick. Going to be an interesting guy to watch. Yeah, 6'6", 305, played right guard for Holy Cross. So that's a guy to keep an eye on this week as well. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball here, Tony. Some guys up front and some – Different guys, too. You have two pluggers inside and Evan Anderson at a Florida Atlantic. My gosh, the, the space that guy takes up when you watch him on tape. He wears number eight. And, you know, it's weird seeing a guy that size wear a single digit. It just makes him seem even wider. Then you have Justin Rogers out of Auburn. Again, 6'3", 6'3", 340. He's another guy that I said that's just a monster. And then the two guys at the edge, you have Yabi Okianoma, who I know you like out of Charlotte. Then the guy that I was intrigued by was Khalid Duke out of Kansas yeah. State. He's got a motor, man. He's going a million miles an hour on every play, and he's a pretty good athlete. The thing about Duke is I know uh, Duke. I noticed him three years ago when he stood up over tackle, and he was more of a linebacker at Kansas State. They kind of moved him at the defensive end, and he's been moved around. He really hasn't developed at a single position, but he's an athletic guy who can get up the field, rush the passer. You can use him also off the line of scrimmage in space. And he's got that ability. I think with him, he just never really developed. So we got to see what he's got at the Shrine Bowl during the practices. Can he rush the passer? Is he used in those one-on-one drills against the tight ends? And how does he do? Um, a lot of upside, untapped potential there. You mentioned Oki Anomu. It's not that. It's not so much that I like him. It's just that he's a real interesting story. Started at Alabama, moved to Tennessee Martin, then went to Michigan. Finally finished up at Charlotte this year. He's a guy who's got great size, incredibly athletic, 
one of those hybrid defensive end outside linebacker Ed Rushers. Gets a lot of force up the field. The problem is, is there are some character concerns about him. And the fact is, he's never really planted himself at one single place. So you want to watch his play on the field. But as far as he's concerned, those interviews are going to be critical. You know, they're going to wonder why he just kept moving from team to team to team. And his production has not been what teams thought. Talk about just, you know, you talked about Evan Anderson, the guy from Florida Atlantic. I like him a lot. Moves relatively well. He's not, he's a little bit more than a gap occupier, though. He's not a great pass rusher. Justin Rogers of Auburn came into the season with second round grades from scouts. I mean, he wow. is a big, massive, punching him out type of guy, but he was more reputation than reality, if you will. He was more a guy who really never met expectations, which is what I think happened this year. But at times, I mean, he is an impressive guy on that defensive line. Well, let's go to the linebacker, Steel Chambers of Ohio State. We talked about him. Curtis Jacobs out of Penn State. Somebody told me, I know you liked his film as a sophomore and junior rather than a senior tape. And then you have Edger and Cooper, who I think is, is the highlight in this group. He's a little undersized. He's only about 230 pounds, but he's fast and he can do a little bit of everything. He does, exactly. I mean, he was a terrific pass rusher at Texas A&M, but at the same time, when you watch the film, he can play off the line of scrimmage. He can play in space and he does a good job of it. I mean, uh, here's a guy that is a potential you know, day two pick somewhere in the third round, if he plays well at the senior bowl and then he tests well, you know, there's some great size, but he, like you said, just does a little bit of everything. Curtis Jacobs, when you go back, Curtis Jacobs is your traditional four, three weak side linebacker. He's not a great pass rusher, although he does a decent job there, but he's a guy who's great in space. You go back to 2021, 2022, he was all over the place. He was probably one of Penn State's top defenders. Uh, he was constantly making plays in the ball against the run, out in space, in coverage. He was graded by some scouts as a first-round pick coming into the season. Now, his play kind of dropped off. They had Abdul Carter out there who was uh, – and Kobe King, who are, you know, the, the, the future of Penn State linebackers that are going to be early picks. And Curtis Jacobs kind of slid off. He didn't play badly. He just didn't play up to expectations – he didn't improve on 2021, 2022, which were outstanding seasons. So, I, I mean, this is a guy who I think can come out of the Shrine Bowl if he has a good week and really elevate himself into the top 60, where a lot of scouts thought he was going to be before the season even began. All right, let's jump to the secondary, Tony. Uh, <laughs> Jarius Monroe out of Tulane. People don't realize what a great year Tulane had this year. And then Roe Torrance out of Arizona State, the safety, Monroe's a corner. Yeah, and the thing about it, you say people don't realize what a, what a terrific season Tulane had. People don't realize what a terrific cornerback Jarius Monroe has been for three years. He's got excellent size. He's feisty. Does a good job getting his head back around to track the pass in the air. The only thing about him is his downfield speed. He's more of a low to mid 4-5 guy, which is going to hurt his draft stock. But he can play. And again, when, in those one-on-one -on -one deep coverage drills, is he covering guys or is he chasing guys down the field? Roe Torrance is... Uh, a bigger safety sort of corner, uh, very good facing the action, very physical, very aggressive, solid ball skills, and he's a guy whose game has consistently improved, so it's going to be fun to watch him. Visa uses advanced AI to help stop fraud, so Brie can be all slurp, no worries. Yum. All right, let, let's jump over to the Senior Bowl, Tony, unless there's someone else from Shrine you want to bring up. Uh, that is basically it from the Shrine for now, yes. 
Okay, so let's jump to the Senior Bowl here, Tony. And obviously, all eyes will be on the one-on-one. So let's start with the flashy one-on-ones. That's the wide receivers and the defensive backs. But let's start with the defensive back side of things because I really think you have a really nice group of guys here that can play some corner and cover. And, you know, these guys are always in a disadvantage, but guys that jumped out to me looking at looking at the list and watching their tape this week, you know, Quinn Mitchell, it's a guy we talked about last week out of yeah. Toledo. Really like him as an off-corner in terms of, like, a zone defender. I think he really reads the quarterback well and, and does well. I want to see him play a little bit of that press man in the one-on-ones and see how he does in that regard and how, how he looks as an athlete. Uh, Johnny Dixon out of Penn State. I'm on board that Johnny Dixon's better than Kalen Kinbangwagon, Tony. I finally watched him. His his ability to, to mirror in man-to-man, I think, is excellent. And then you have a couple other guys that are good. You know, his teammate Kalen King's going to be there. Ennis Rackestraw, who I know some people have as a first-round pick, as someone that is going to be there. Um, Mike Sansra still out of Michigan. I don't know about him as an athlete, but, boy, he makes plays. He knows how to play the game. Uh, there's other guys, too, here, but, you know, just a really good group of corners that I think are going to cover really well. Yeah, you hit on most most of them. The other, I want to watch the guy, the two guys from Wake Forest, Kalen Carson, who came into the season with high grades. He's a little, a little bit inconsistent, a little bit erratic. Was up and down against Coleman, Florida State. At times, he you know he made good plays on the ball. Other times, he got beat. His teammate Malik Mustafa, the safety, who I absolutely love. We talked about him on one of the first shows of the year with Bruce Feldman, a guy who's got it going on between the ears. He's also a real good, uh, a real good athlete. He's just a smart, instinctive safety who shows solid ball skills. You know, the thing with the safeties at the Senior Bowl is you want to see those one-on-one coverages. I, I mean, are they able? Do they show good ball skills? Do they show flexibility in their hips? Are they able to transition? Or are they constantly playing catch-up and chasing guys down the field? Mustafa shows good ball skills. If he's able to run with receivers down the field and show that he can play in man-to-man, his draft stock's going to elevate. He can be a, set, uh, a day two pick. Bo Braid, <laughs> excuse me, out of Maryland. Another safety who has got excellent ball skills, terrific run defender. He's got it going on between the ears, very intelligent. Uh, and again, with the safeties, those one-on-one drills against the receivers are critical because you want to see that a guy is as good making plays with his back to the ball as he is facing the action. I like Mac Mel- Max Melton out of Rutgers as well. You know, he might be more of a slot guy, Tony, but he's a good athlete. And then I want to get your take on Rackestraw. Is it somebody that we haven't, I don't think we've mentioned once on this show over the course of the last few months. Your your thought on Ennis Rackestraw out of Missouri. I know this would be a good shot for him to kind of show what he can do. I really liked him coming into the season. I, ha- I put a third round grid on him in my summer scouting series. I don't think he's a first round pick. I think he's a real good, cor- uh, real good defensive back who can play corner or safety. He's got solid ball skills. I mean, it's funny because because most of the talk outside the scouting community the past two years was about his teammate, Chris Abrams Drain. Yet it's Rake Straw, who was the guy who was consistently making positive plays. He's got decent size, does a great job tracking the pass, you know, can play over the slot receiver, can play some safety. Sort of like, if you will, the Brian Branch uh, of this year's draft in the sense that he does a little of everything very well. Yeah, I throw Javon Bullard into that mix too, right? He's technically a safety for Georgia, but a lot like I thought Chris Smith, I believe, was was the guy that basically played that position for him last right. year. He was at the Senior Bowl. I think Bullard's a better athlete than Smith, though. I like what I see from him on tape, Tony. And then you have Jaden Hicks, who's more of a traditional safety, along with Cameron Kitchens. Yeah, I, and you know, you, Tyke Smith is a guy to watch. You spoke about him earlier. Tyke Smith, three years ago at West Virginia, 
was a, a lockdown, shutdown corner, did a terrific job. And then he got injured. He went, he transferred to Georgia. He got injured. He really didn't play for a year and a half. The last two thirds of this year's season, he really started to sh show flashes of what he did three years ago at West Virginia. And he's a guy who's kind of fallen under the radar. It's going to be a day three pick, but he's got big time ability. All right, let's go to the wide receivers, the guys they'll be lining up against here, Tony. And the two big downfield guys that I'm excited to see is Xavier Leggett out of South Carolina. We've talked about him before. Really good size, really good long speed. And then Devontae Walker, who only played half a year this year, 6'2", 200 pounds. I think he's a little bit of role as a route runner still, but he has shown the ability to kind of be that vertical threat down the field as well. The thing with Leggett and a little bit more, not so much Walker, but with Leggett, is he just a straight line guy? Is he just a guy that's going to run four, three in a straight line? Or can he run routes? You know, what happens when he goes, you know, when he's running full speed and he's, he's got to make a, a right-hand turn or a left-hand turn? Does he have to gather himself? Does he get upright? Does he sink his hips? So you want to see both of those guys, but especially the get who goes about, it goes almost 220 pounds, if he can run routes. You know, if, if he's able to basically keep that momentum going, <laughs> running routes is not going to be an issue for Jacob Cowling from Arizona, who's a smaller slot type of receiver return specialist, I'm sure team uh, defenders are going to have an impossible time trying to cover him. The issue is in those one-on-ones, he's just so small. Is he able to compete with the bigger defensive backs or, or does he consistently get out muscled uh, for the, for the reception? What do you think of Devontae Walker, Tony? We even talked about him much on the show. Yeah. I, I mean, He's got a lot of uh, athleticism. He's got a lot of ability. Obviously, with Walker, it was, you know, an interesting story. He transfers uh, to North Carolina to be closer to the home. The NC2A wouldn't let him play. There's a huge uproar. They do, do let him play. He's a real good receiver. There's no doubt about it. He's got excellent hand. He shows a lot of athleticism. When he was on the field, Drake may love them. I guess the thing with, you know, Walker is it's going to be those interviews. You know, what happened? Why did you have to move back to North Carolina? You know, are you ready if the Seattle Seahawks or the L.A. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers draft you? Is that going to be an issue, or are you, you going to be okay with that? Absolutely. A couple other receivers I want to touch on. I had a chance, and look, I've seen him a bunch on TV copy, but I haven't watched a coach's tape on him yet until this week. I was pretty impressed by Roman Wilson. Look, yeah. he doesn't have elite traits, Tony, in terms of, you know, overall top speed, but... That guy, I know he's six feet tall. I think he's going to be a good NFL slot receiver for 10 years. Like, he's runs good routes. He catches everything that's thrown to him. He's quick. He accelerates well. And I think he's one of those guys, because of those slot traits, those are the guys that tend to get open in the one-on-ones at the senior bowl. I think he's going to have a good week. And a potential dynamite return specialist. You know, mm -hmm. the thing about Roman Wilson is he's a feisty, confident guy. You know, he wants the ball. He, he seems to like, you know that physical contact and having to battle uh, defensive backs to come away with the reception, but he's also a decent route runner. And he was, you know, he wasn't the big play threat at Michigan, but he was the guy that came up with a lot of big plays when he was healthy and on the field. Uh, again, want to watch his route running, want to see him go up against the bigger defensive backs. Although we did a very good job of that at Michigan in the big 10 and he catches everything that, that comes in his direction. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. On that 100%. Two other receivers I want to touch on real quick, Tony. How much do you think Lad McConkey is going to do, given he's kind of been fighting injuries all year? Scouts love Lad McConkey because he's consistent, he's reliable, he's dependable. I think the thing with McConkey is, you know, you talk about players that don't have great physical traits. I mean, he's not really big. He's not super fast. 
So he's got to show the ability to run great routes, get separation. When the ball is thrown in his direction, he's going to catch it. I, I mean, he mail it because he always does. Uh, McConkey is, you know, he's sort of like a Jordan Addison, and he's a certain flavor because he doesn't have those great physical traits. He's not a deep threat. He's not a big, you know, went out for the contested throw guy. If you want, if you have a timing offense, you know, you're going to like him. So that route running is going to be really critical for McConkey. And then Malachi Corley, is is he a guy that, you know, you think could show up here? A lot of people call him like a mini Debo Samuel. They call him the Yak King, right? Big yards after the catch guy. He's thick. He's, you know, 5'10", I think 210. So he's not like the, the tall, skinny type. He's kind of that running back body. And, and sort of in the mold of McConkey and Wilson, in the sense that he's not a true vertical threat. He's not the tallest guy in the world. But he's just a terrific pass catcher who knows how to separate, who knows how to uh, uh, find the open spot in the fence, and who is also going to double at the next level, like very likely as, as a punt returner. So, I mean, we talked about Austin Reed at the Shrine game. Well, Austin Reed, and you mentioned those numbers, a lot of those passes were thrown uh, to Malachi Corley. I, again, it is sort of a you have to like that sort of flavor of receiver because he's not going to sprint down the sidelines past uh, a defensive back. And it's not, uh, he's not the type of guy who's going to really box up or man up against uh, a bigger defensive back in the red zone or, or, or in the, uh, in the end zone to come away with the contested pass. Again, like Roman Wilson, like Glad McConkey, the uh, route running and the ability to separate through the routes is critical and he did a pretty good job at it at Western at Western Kentucky. All right, let's go to what I think is probably the strongest group uh, at the Senior Bowl, Tony. And that's saying something because we just talked about two groups that are pretty strong here. I love this offensive line group. Uh, I mean, I, I'm just going to rapid fire list guys here, and then you knock out whoever you want. We have so many guys to talk about: uh, Jackson Powers, Johnson, Kingsley Suamatai, uh, Jordan Morgan, Patrick Paul, Troy Fontenu, Roger Rosengarn, Cooper Beebe, Dominic Puny, Tyler Guyton, Graham Barton, Tylese Fuaga. I mean, my goodness, Ladarius Henderson, Tony. You know, you might have three or four first-round picks just in this group. It's ridiculous. And we talked about a couple of these guys. I mean, I, I'm very – I'm really looking forward to watching Ladarius Henderson because when you watch him on film, he's very impressive. He's sort of that, forgot, excuse me, that forgotten guy on the Michigan offensive line. People talk about Zach Zinter. People talk about Trevor Keegan. Uh, but Ladarius Henderson on the left side, I thought did an outstanding job. See his actual height. Is he a left tackle? Is he a guard at the next level? Uh, a couple of guys, Christian Haynes from UConn is a guy that scouts really like. He is more your power gap, you know, guard, basically a small area guy, but he will just mash opponents. And I expect to see a lot of mashing from Christian Hayes at UConn. Fundamentally sound, got that big, thick lower body that teams really like. We talked about uh, Jackson Powers Johnson in the past. Uh, Brandon Coleman, Patrick Paul was Patrick Paul of uh, Houston, left tackle guy who a lot of scouts had as a day two pick uh, coming into the season. He was solid, but he was not great last year. Uh, again, in those one on ones, especially his ability to protect the edge, that will say a lot for him. And the two Washington kids who we've talked about, Troy Fatanu. And uh, Roger Rosengarten. I mean, Rosengarten's got a rebound from what was a very disappointing and a sort of, I don't want to say lackadaisical, but an effort in the uh, national championship game against Michigan where he blew a couple plays. He's got to make people forget about that. And then you kind of have the battle 
for, and again, assuming Joe Alt and, and Olu Fashinu are going to be the, the first two offensive linemen off the board here, who's going to be the next guy, right? And a lot of the guys in the mix, you know, Talisi Fuaga's in that mix, Tyler Guyton's in that mix, yep. Jordan Morgan's in that mix, Tony. Those guys are all going to be first-round picks and at tackle. So who's going to be that third tackle? What happens at the Senior Bowl here, and we're going to go through it, they're going to face some pretty good edge rushers. Which one of those guys can step up and – Will those three guys also convince scouts that they should stay at tackle, right? Because some people think, Huaga, is he a guard? Are they going to try to move these guys around? All that will be interesting to watch. And that's major. I mean, we saw it, we've seen it year and year. You know, Huaga, is he a tackle? Is he a guard? Is, can he play left tackle? Same thing with Tyler Guyton. I mean, Tyler Guyton's a bigger, you look at him, you think right tackle, but he's athletic and he can play left tackle. You know, how does he do it left tackle? And some of these guys don't want to move. You know, they want to move. They want to move your right tackle. Say, no, 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 I'm a left side guy only, which is really you don't want to do. Uh, go back to the Washington guys, which I hate to do. You know, is Fernando, is he a left tackle or is he a guard? I mean, my own personal preference is if a guy can play left tackle, keep him there because it's such a critical position. Play proves he can't. But again, moving these guys around and some of these guys will eventually move into center. They'll be taking snaps. That's one of the more interesting things. And that, you know, that versatility can help a guy. Yeah. And then who's the next guard off the board, right? Like we don't know if Fontenot is going to be drafted as a guard, but you have the Cooper BBs of the world, the Dominic yeah. Punies of the world, even Zach Frazier, right? These are guards. And then maybe you see Jackson Powers Johnson as a guard instead of a center. That's another question, right? So these are all guys at the guard position that are going to be the first few taken off the board on, on draft night. And again, it depends on what type of system you want. You know, Fanato is more of your zone blocking guy. He's a guy who's going to get out on the second level. You can pull him across the line of scrimmage. You use him in motion. You watch Cooper Beebe, he's a power gap guy. He's a guy who's just going to mash somebody. You want him to go straight ahead. You don't want him to move him laterally too much, although he can do that. He's more of your power gap guy. Looking forward to seeing Charles Turner. I think he's from LSU. I think he's an underrated center. I have him as a day two pick. Liked his game for a while. Again, when he's going up against some of those bigger defensive linemen uh, in those one-on-one -on -one drills, the guys that are 320 pounds, can he handle, can Charles Turner handle him because he's not the biggest blocker in the world? Well, and let's talk about some of those bigger defensive linemen. And we'll start with the two guys out of Texas, right? DeAndre Sweat's going to be there. Byron Murphy's going to be there. These are two of the better interior defensive linemen in this draft class, Tony. They're both very different, but they're going to be yeah. big-time tests for those interior blockers on the offensive line. Sweat is athletic and he moves relatively well, but like you said, he's a bigger guy. He's the guy that occupies the space where Bry uh, Byron Murphy is your athletic guy. He's more of your one gap three technique guy, although he plays very strong and he's incredibly athletic. As I mentioned last show, he's supposed to run. I'm told in low four sevens. I love Murphy. He's great. So again, you know, you can use him in a variety of roles, you know, with a guy like Murphy, it'll be interesting to see if they mix it up. You know, if they go to three-man fronts, can he be a two-gap uh, two, uh, two uh, end in a system like that where he can play defensive end in, in a three-man line? And then, Tony, at the edge spot, you have another couple guys. One that is almost certainly going to be a first-round pick as long as the medicals don't sink him in uh, Latu Latu. And then you have Chris Braswell, the Alabama player we've talked about a lot, who's there. You know, it's not Dallas Turner, but he's also a very good player. You know, those are two edge players that I think are going to step in here and really challenge some of these offensive tackles, and it'll be great one-on-one -on -one opportunities. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot too against the Tyler Guytons of the world and the Fuaga, although they played it in the pack, but against the Tyler Guytons, that's where a guy makes money. That's where a guy can really elevate his dress stock, especially a guy like Guyton. 
If he's able to shut down Latu, if they face off in the one-on-ones, assuming they're on, they're on the same teams because we haven't uh, even seen the breakdown of teams, that's where a guy can can really make his money. <clears throat> Braswell, you know, he's a developing guy, and he still has a ways to go. It's not just the edge rushing. You know, how does he do in those one-on-one drills against the tight ends, against the running backs? Does he show the ability to make plays moving in reverse as we as confidently as he does moving ahead? And I'm going to add another guy into that mix, Adisa Isaac of uh, Penn State, who primarily came out of a three-point stance uh, for Penn State, was a terrific pass rusher, but he's small. I, I mean, he's a guy who is probably going to, you know, he's going to struggle to stand up against uh, the bigger offensive tackles in the NFL. He's got to show the ability to make plays in reverse. Same thing with Javon Solomon of Troy, who was an explosive pass rusher, a guy who go, 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 go. He's fun to watch. He plays bigger than his listed size in the Sunbelt Conference. But again, another smaller college pass rusher who primarily made plays up the field rather than moving in reverse. He's got to show some versatility in this game as well. All right, then how about the linebackers on defense, Tony? You know, Teron Hopper is someone that we talked about a little bit earlier in the year. And I think the interesting thing is that James Williams, who played safety at Miami, is listed as a straight-up linebacker here. He's 230-some pounds. He's a big guy, but he can move. You know, if he shows that he can, you know, linebackers are hard to find. You know, good linebackers in the NFL, there aren't many of them, Tony, and there's not haven't been many coming out in the draft either. If he can show he can play that spot with his movement skills as a former safety, he could be a real valuable player to NFL teams. Well, go back to what I said about Curtis Jacobs, because the off-the-ball space linebackers are just not valued anymore. And that's why. They want the guys who can rush the passer. And that's why we see guys like Williams, the bigger college safeties, who are being moved to the linebacker position because you know they can run, you know they got speed, you know they can get from point A to point B quickly. It's just a matter of, you know, how do they hold up against the blocks? Can they get through the traffic? You know, are they able to stay on their feet and make plays? You mentioned uh, uh, Tyrone Hopper. Uh, one guy I'm really interested to see is Jalix Hunt from Houston Christian. Started his career at Cornell, moved to Houston Christian, was sort of that undersized pass rusher, but he, they also used him off the line in space, and he showed some ability there. So with Hunt, you know he's a good pass rusher. He's listed as a linebacker to senior bowl. We're going to see him in those one-on-one drills against the tight ends, against the running backs. And again, you know, is he able to flip his hips? Is he able to quickly get move in the reverse and cover a lot of area in the field? Or is he kind of stuck in space and he's chasing guys around? You don't want the latter. He's got to have the former. Yeah, Absolutely. And then finally, before we get to a couple of your questions you sent in via Twitter, I'm going to focus on the All-Star Game questions this week, and I'll save the rest for, for later on. Um, running backs for tight ends, Tony. We haven't mentioned anyone in either one of those two positions. Who are you keeping an eye on in those position groups? Uh, let me pull it up real quick here. The running back, uh, obviously Dylan Lobb. You want to see those small school guys, Dylan Lobb of uh, New Hampshire. He's really your dr- jack-of-all-trades. He's a tough inside runner who can turn the corner. Terrific uh Pass catcher of the backfield was an exceptional return specialist at uh, New Hampshire. We won't see that till game time. Cody Schrader of Missouri, who I'm told, you know, you look at him, he runs kind of upright. He's not, but I'm told, he, you know, he's got some speed to him. Schrader, the guy from came, came from Tarlington State, wasn't really great at coming in the season. That's a guy to watch. From the tight end position, you know, Theo Johnson of Penn State looks the part. You look at Theo Johnson, he's 6'5 and change. He's almost 250 pounds. He runs in the four sixes. You look at the guy and you say, this guy's top 45. 
but he only plays like a top 45 prospect on occasion. So with Theo Johnson, you've got to see some kind of sort of consistency to his game uh, as far as if he's going to help elevate his draft stock and move from day three into day two. Okay, here we go. A couple of questions here. This one comes in from Tim at NYG Tim. He wants to know, Tony, on your most recent mock draft, this is what we did last week, there was a player who plays left tackle, and Tony said that he projects more as a right tackle. When scouting players, what determines if a left tackle projects long-term to a right tackle and vice versa in the NFL? Movement skills, agility. You know, you know, you traditionally in the past, your right tackle was your bigger, smaller area blocker. Uh, if a guy is playing right tackle and he can slide off the edge, he can adjust, basically, basically move his body and get his hands in to pick up the blitz. Then he's got an opportunity at left tackle, as far as I'm concerned, where your college left tackle, sometimes the guys are bigger, they're stiffer, and they just went out because they're so much stronger than everybody else. But you've got to be able to slide your feet. You've got to be able to uh, slide out laterally. You've got to show some sort of agility. So obviously you're looking for the fundamentals. The guy bend his knees and use hands well. But as far as left and right, I'm always looking at footwork and I'm looking at agility. Mike Lakenny writes in, is there a reason why Cade Stover and Blake Fisher are not at All-Star Games? I, I got to be injured. I, I mean, Stover, it's an interesting one because Stover considered entering last year's draft, but he had a back and an ankle injury. So I don't have any inside information of that. But both of those guys, I got to assume it's injury. And like I said, go back to the beginning. I mean, most, many of these guys, their seasons ended three, four weeks ago. So if they were playing throughout an entire season with a with a, a nicked up, uh, you know, hurt hamstring, strained hamstring, ankle injuries, things like that. That's not just going to uh, end in a three or four week period. And, and some of these guys like Stover, who I'm told is going to test through the roof when he gets to the combine, it may be, let's forget about these games right now. Let's just heal and get ready for the combine. All right. Then finally, this question comes in from Nick. The one position we did not talk about in our senior bowl breakdown was the quarterbacks. And here's why. So Nick has a question in terms of improving draft stock or shutting down critics, which quarterback stands the most to gain from the all-star games? What do you think? Well, I, I mean, I, I'm not, I, I'd say Bo Nix, but Bo Nix we know is going to be a, a second-round pick. He can move in the first round. I'm going to, you know, when I look at the list, I'm going to say Spencer Rattler. Because Spencer Rattler, I mentioned Devin Leary when we did the Shrine game. Of, uh, talk, we talked about players there. So for the Senior Bowl, I'm going to mention Spencer Rattler because you go back, what was it, four years ago? Was well, I don't even know if it was the COVID year or whatnot where the season started, you thought Oklahoma was going to go to the uh, – had a chance to run to the championship game. Spencer Rattler was a Heisman candidate on everybody's list, top five pick, and he went – he was a disaster. And who replaced him? Right, Caleb Williams, who uh, – at Oklahoma, who then transferred to the USC. And Spencer Rattler has been up and down. I mean, his, his college career has been up and down like a roller coaster, went to South Carolina, showed flashes, stayed the extra year – so there's been so much inconsistency with Spencer Rattler, but you go back and you watch him as a freshman at Oklahoma and you remember the skills he showed and how exciting it was to watch him. I think when you look at the, you know, you know what you get with Michael Penix, kind of know what you get with Sam, uh, Sam Hartman. Who knows what we're getting with Spencer Rattler? Are we getting the guy that we saw as a freshman at Oklahoma? Are we getting the guy that we saw as a sophomore at Oklahoma? Are we getting the guy that's been up and down? I think he's someone who, Right now, it's probably on the outside looking in. 
But if he has a great week and then he impresses people in the interview, he could watch his draft stock take off. Tony, look forward to seeing you down there in Frisco, down there in Mobile to enjoy these all-star games and learn a lot more about these prospects. Anything else you have for the folks before we say goodbye? No, I mean, this is the time where, I mean, people focusing on the the NFC and AFC title games, but the, the scouting uh, really kicks into gear. I mean, it's fun because what happens is, is, you know, people get together for the first time in a year. Right? And, you know, you see people interact, haven't seen you since the combine, haven't seen you since then. Uh, and it, this is sort of a reunion. It's a lot of fun, and you usually get a lot of work done. I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks for being with us. Next week's episode will be recorded from Mobile down there in Alabama. We'll recap Shrine, talk about the first day of practice at Senior Bowl, and then, of course, we'll recap everything the following week on draft season. I'm John Schmelk. He's Tony Pulling from Sports Kita. Today's episode was brought to you by Visa. Visa looks at over 500 data points on transactions to help prevent fraud so you can worry less and focus on your next podcast. Shop with Visa because security looks good on you. We'll see you next week on draft season. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 